Hello and welcome to How to Start Up, a podcast for anyone starting a company. This is a collection of conversations with people who have all successfully started, run and even sold their own companies, sharing not only professional but personal experiences on what we should be doing now, next or never. Hosted by me, Juliet Fallowfield, founder of PR consultancy for startups Fallowfield and Mason. As we've been working alongside the pandemic for nearly two years, I wanted to interview founders who'd started their businesses in March 2020 and beyond, as anyone starting to think about founding a business will know no other world to operate in. As we know, this whole new world has thrown us curveballs, but not all of them are negative. So I'm hoping that hearing from recent founders with up-to-date work experience, so to speak, will really support more people in starting up. In this episode, we hear from Alice Edwards, founder of Memo Press, a bespoke plastic-free stationery brand based in London. Founded in October 2020, Memo was born out of a vision to make stationery both beautiful and accessible in equal measure. Following her successful career as the jewellery editor of Tatler, Sunday Times Style and Lux magazines, Alice now writes in an equally beautiful but very different way, delighting clients with stationery which is all personalised by her own hand. Alice shares with us her experience on trademarking and also why there is no better time to start than now. Hi Alice, it is wonderful to have you on How to Start Up today. It would be great if you could start with a brief introduction as to when you started and what you started. Hi, I'm Alice Edwards and I'm the founder of Memo Press, which is a bespoke stationery brand based in London. We started in October 2020, yeah, six months into the pandemic. We focus on small batch stationery and hand illustrated greetings cards, all made in the UK, which are entirely plastic free. They are from recyclable paper and recycled paper. And we try and be as zero waste as possible. It might sound straightforward to be plastic free being a stationary company, but actually it's a process that seems to involve a staggering amount of plastic um, from the printing processes to those horrible tiny little sleeves of plastic that uh, most greetings cards come in. So that's a sort of central tenant, I would say, of Memo Press. Amazing. Why did you start in October 2020? Why did you take the plunge? Because previous to this, and this is how we met, was that you were a jewellery writer and a jewellery editor, and you took the plunge into becoming self-employed, which is a massive step, especially when the world is falling apart. Well, I absolutely loved my career in journalism. I was at the Sunday Times and Times Lux. And jewellery journalism, there's such an awesome bunch of colleagues I had both on the brand side and on the journalism side. It was certainly not easy to think I had to leave. And where did you go next? So I briefly went to work for a jeweller, but I realised the balance of my home life versus my work life wasn't right. And that was very evident the second the pandemic happened. I've got two small children And I was suddenly trying to occupy one and homeschool the other as my husband was trying to do the same. And it just was not working at all. So actually taking the plunge and becoming your own boss gave you more freedom? Completely. There's obviously lots of instability that comes with running your own business. But the autonomy I have over my day is something that I feel has been entirely worth the sacrifice. It means now coming out of the pandemic, there's not a you know ballet recital or piano concert or school trip that I 
have to miss. And for me, that that's absolutely dynamite. I couldn't give that up now. Whereas when they were very tiny, I traveled constantly. Yeah, which is super hard. And I think the old world where we're all expected to physically be on a site in an office or some at an event or something, that has gone now. And I think a lot of people employed by other people and salaries will have also experienced newfound freedom as well. But can you talk us through what other pros you have gained from it? With hindsight now, I was actually always quite emotionally set up to be my own boss. I think I am perhaps overly critical, but I'm definitely quite um, honest with myself about my shortcomings, where I can improve when I really haven't tried or done something to my best. And so self that sort of self-criticism, I think, is quite useful when you are your own boss and you're very much a one-man band in certain areas. I'm also very organized and quite motivated. So once I'd made the decision to launch my own company, it was lightning quick deciding what I wanted to do, how I was going to do it. I'm quite sort of naturally problem solving. So all of those personality traits have really helped me fashion memo. And it's quite exciting, isn't it? When you discover and really recognize those strengths and Mm. you can massively fulfill them whereas in other roles where you're sort of given a job description and a desk and told to get on with it oh totally it's a bit narrow whereas this you can really play to your strengths and go after them and a lot of people say when you recognize your weaknesses you need to then delegate oh that's exactly what I do when I'm terrible at something where I realize someone else can do it faster and better that's where I then channel the budget or the focus in hiring other people who are smarter than me to do those jobs And given that we are now all operating in 2022, is there anything that you've seen change around the world of startups since the pandemic started? I don't know any different, but I personally feel that the sort of startup world I've gone into is really positive and helpful and inclusive. And I've always kind of said to myself and to others, if you find that the people that you're asking for advice won't sort of willingly give it to you, then they're probably not the people you need to ask for advice. Being open source, as we are at Memo, so when other businesses have asked where we get our packaging from or who a particular supplier is or how we've done something, I'm so willing to share it because I have confidence that the sort of alchemy of the way we've put things together is not how a rival would or how someone else would. You have to have a bit of sort of faith in your own abilities. And equally, people have been so helpful when I've asked questions. I mean, I sat on the phone on Friday afternoon, in fact, to another founder of a small business called Herbu, which is absolutely brilliant and um, makes the chicest garden supplies. My children are completely obsessed with them and love everything <laughs> they do. And I was asking the founder, Henry, some questions about the back end of our site and um, sort of subscription model and he couldn't have been kinder more helpful willing to give up his time talk me through everything they've done and I I don't know if that community of startups existed before truthfully but it it certainly does now 
I think everyone in any job anywhere in the world has become more helpful in the last mm. couple of years. But the people I've interviewed up until this season have been tried and tested founders pre-pandemic. And every single one of them said, oh, no, people help me too. always put your hand up and ask for help. And I don't know if it's a catch-22 that when you're in a sort of inverted commas standard job, you don't need to ask for help as much and you just put your head down and get on with it. Whereas when you're at the coalface and completely doing all hats, you do need to actually learn how to put your hand up and ask for help and that's where people who've gone before us are so used to that but I completely agree people cannot be more supportive in helping and technical technical direct rivals want to sit yeah. down I mean people in PR were calling me when I started my business two years ago and said well, how can I help and I was like wow I mean goodness you're telling me all the secrets oh I had that I'm not in any way dyslexic but I am appalling at spelling <laughs> ironic given <laughs> what I now do but when I launched the Instagram account I'd misspelled stationary. I spelt it A-R-Y, which means motionless, as opposed to E-R-Y, which is written material. And the founder of a completely different stationary company sent me the sweetest note saying, F-Y-G, you've misspelled this. Oh, goodness. I was like, she could have totally just left me out there and could just couldn't have been kinder about it and I've actually subsequently learned two brilliant words I'm sure you've heard of the word schadenfreude explain basically means to take pleasure in someone else's losses or defeats or screw-ups it's a sort of funny mix of jealousy and joy yeah not kind the opposite is called which Brene Brown introduced me to the town on her podcast is called freudenfreude And it's to celebrate anyone else's wins, like rivals, friends, whomever, but to champion them and to, yeah, encourage each other. And I think that's so the spirit I've found in the startups of the sort of pandemic era. Absolutely. We're all in makeshift offices, in spare rooms, kitchen tables, and those things have always existed. But I I seem to find particularly people who's founded businesses during the pandemic seem to have made a dramatic career change in order to do it. Well, there's a 14.7% increase in quarter four 2021 versus 219, so pre-pandemic. So there's so many more people taking the plunge. They've got, it was already up nearly 5% in 2020 towards Q3. So it's fascinating to see at Companies House so many people going, Mm. nope, if not now, then when? And there's this huge energy, I feel like lots of people are wanting just to give it a go. And that helpfulness is just when you are working all the hours and juggling all the balls in the air to have some people supporting you mm. just keeps you going which I found mandatory in my week <laughs> yeah I couldn't agree more it can be very isolating and if you're not an introvert and I am most certainly an introvert I think it can be really tough to be you know everyone's found it difficult working from home for such long stretches and missing out on that social community of an office space but I think for those of us that started our own small businesses during the pandemic, this is the normal. This, you know, this isn't just the new normal. This is the permanent normal. And there's so many pros to it. There is no expectation that you have an office. You don't need a business card. Your team can be based anywhere in the mm. world. I think when I first started, and it was very, very beginning of the pandemic, people were like, where's your office going to be? Nope. I'm like, at home. <laughs> we're all working from home. And now it could be 
three months in Australia. It could be anywhere. So yeah. I think it's given us a lot of freedoms to recruit people who want to live remotely. And I have someone in my team who works three days a week and she lives in Glasgow. There's another guy full time who's in Devon. So I've been able to find better talent by being remote mm. first. And I think that wouldn't have happened had the pandemic not expedited the normalcy around working remotely. Um, and for you, given that you're a product-based business, have there been any other pros to starting in the pandemic? Because obviously product's quite physical. Oh, definitely. I found really quickly during the pandemic, it sort of revealed everyone's true colours. And I... In what way? I, you know, when you're, as you would say, at the coalface and you're really stressed and frightened, people I found to be either incredibly helpful and generous or quite reasonably just couldn't fathom it. So when I went out to lots of small paper suppliers and big paper suppliers, the responses were really interesting. Some of them said, absolutely not, you're far too small, we can't possibly do that. And then my sort of dream supplier, I thought, they're never even going to have a conversation with me. They make the most beautiful paper going. I'm married to a, well, he's technically, I guess, a graphic designer by trade, read graphic design at Central St. Martins, and he's totally obsessed with, with paper too, although he's a digital designer. He always said they were the best of the best. And so I sent them a email and they were <laughs> the most helpful. They were straight on the phone. They agreed to waive minimums, combine orders. They went out of their way to help small businesses. And they're called GF Smith. And they still make all our envelopes, supply all of our paper. So the lesson is to just ask, yeah. just give it a go and don't assume anything. Slightly shoot for the moon. Yeah, that's true. Actually, a lot of people I've spoken to is like the sort of, oh, no, I couldn't possibly do that. Yeah. When people open with that, it's like, no, but you can. You absolutely can. You just ask. And it becomes a little bit addictive. It's like moving overseas. Once you've done it once, you keep doing it. Mm. You keep throwing stakes in the ground that you never think you'll reach. And actually, you reach one, you reach the next, and you've just got to try. So for you, your holy grail of paper supply, had you not asked, you'd never have known, actually, that this is their MO. Yeah. Nobody else makes coloured paper like they do. Several of our colours are actually made. It's called GF Smith Extract, and they're made from recycled coffee cups. And... I just kept coming back to that. I kept saying to my husband, as we're sharing the smallest room in the house, back to back on crappy IKEA desks. But what I really want is G.F. Smith. And he was like, well, why haven't you emailed them? Once you know what you want, I think as a founder, you can just keep trying until you get it. And is there anything that you've learned since becoming your own boss that surprised you about yourself? Oh, God, on a daily basis, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I have quite sort of creative background and creative brain I didn't think the financial side I would ever be able to wrap my mind around really I definitely have surprised myself I have a way to go and I have a very understanding accountant everyone says get a good accountant and I now know that means different things to different people it's like get an accountant that's patient or get a good accountant yes. that can speak your language or get a good accountant oh, that definitely yes. supports small businesses because then you can be like look you like supporting small businesses small businesses have a lot of questions we do <laughs> I think I've also been surprised at my resilience to failure. I have made so many cock-ups almost on a weekly basis and actually picking them up, learning the lesson and then realising that that sort of space of time I could spend licking my wounds, wallowing, which I definitely wanted to wallow. Actually, if I just focus and channel into putting it right, you know, my biggest failure which is completely my fault and nobody else's I conflated 
essentially accountancy advice with legal advice and I didn't have the right trademarks. And I mean, wow, I learned my mistake very quickly. And trademarks take a long time. I picked a name I loved. Memo made total sense to me. I loved how neat it was. I love the characters. I love our logo that we designed. But very hard to trademark a descriptive word like that. And I had a couple, I would say not a copycat brand, that's not quite fair, but I had a brand that was doing something similar who then tried to use our name and it got very messy and very complicated. And my instinct was to basically go to bed and pull the duvet over my head and it wasn't happening. And actually, I sort of had a really quick word with myself and then spent the next many, many hours and weeks putting it right and guessing what we needed in place. I mean, I always talk about it from a messaging perspective of think about your brand name. Can people spell it? If they hear it, can they then Google it? But from a trademark perspective, what would you suggest they do? I would say it needs to be two words. So I refer to the brand often as Memo. It's technically Memo Press. And that's often why you find brands with two names and an ampersand in the middle. If it's not two words, it's one word, it ends up being much more complicated to copyright. I then got some legal advice from an IP specialist and then spent an extremely long time learning to file my own trademarks because, you know, as a startup, there's not a lot of budget. And I thought I'll give it a crack. If I mess it up, I can then go back and get legal advice, but let's try it. So if I was doing this again and I wanted to start my own brand, I would say, yeah, pick two names always and file for the trademarks before you've done anything else. Because if it doesn't work, you're going to need a new URL, new Instagram handles, everything. To unpick it. Exactly. And I think what you said is quite interesting about your small business. You want to learn how to do it yourself to save budget. Mm. I think and correct me if I'm wrong, but looking back now, if you could have told yourself a year and a half ago how successful your business would become, you'd have had more confidence to then yeah, put budget towards it. But at the so. time, you're very much, I was like, I can't spend anything. <laughs> and actually, that was really limiting. And I yeah. should have had faith and I should have invested quickly in the company. But I was being very hesitant and like, I've never done this before. I have no idea what I'm doing. I've got to earn some revenue before I can spend anything. That, that to me now, in hindsight, mm. is massively counterintuitive and it slowed me down. It is. But we're, I think we're going to have to accept that you'll always spend money on avenues that ended up not working out or proved yep. to be dead ends. I think everybody is is pretty well versed in the fact you learn a lot more from your failures than you do from your successes. Yes, and faster. And <laughs> fortunately, that is the case. And I wish, in hindsight, I had looked into some more resources for startups. So I think the Prince's Trust have a lot, you know, business plan models, checklists of things you need to run down. And whilst I had a lot of my ducks in a row when I launched, trademarks was not something I did. And I was incredibly fortunate that I, when I applied for the trademarks, some were rejected because, to, you know, it was too far sweeping. But I had a very receptive trademark officer. So each case gets appointed an officer mm-hmm. who was patient and kind and explained different ways I could. He sent it back essentially with feedback. And, and suggested amendments and took the time to talk me through them. And luckily, our trademarks were awarded last year. Congratulations. Thank you. Enforcing them 
is is a completely different matter. But I do have them and they are mine, if nothing else. Yeah. And is there anything else that you'd advise somebody starting now to do, not do? I would say work fundamentally in terms of productivity, work out what time of day works for you. I'm a morning person. I work best in the mornings. Desk and studio time is in the morning. If I have meetings, I'll try and schedule them later in the afternoon because I find their energy reviving, getting out of the house, doing things. Uh, My number two would be, as we've discussed, ask for help. Just put your hand up and ask for help, especially in the things you know you're not fabulous at because somebody else will and find someone that is infinitely brighter than you are to do that. (laughs) (laughs) How have you managed to stay inspired, especially during the pandemic and lockdowns with your business? I think I sort of turned to unofficial mentors. I mean, these people probably don't even know I find them to be mentors, (laughs) but first is Whitney from Flowerbox, who I know you've had on the podcast. Yes. She is so consistently supportive so you've heard the quote about other women who will say your name in a room full of opportunities she regularly puts memo and me up for jobs that I'm not entirely sure we deserve (laughs) and that I find brilliant then there's Pip from with nothing underneath yes also an alumna yeah was her a sort of off-the-cuff coffee no pun intended with Pip was almost the sole reason that I ended up taking the plunge. She talked about her autonomy over her life and the growth of her business and how she wanted the growth to be manageable in terms of her lifestyle and the sustainability element of her business. And then there's someone called Tori who runs two businesses called Tea Balance and Tea Crystals. I actually signed up for a mentorship and sort of life coaching series with her. And it's people like that that I've found not necessarily turning to for straightforward practical advice, but more cementing and reaffirming that I'm making the right sort of life choices in the macro that I've found really kind of grounding and motivational at the same time. I think the more you are involved in your own business, the more you realise what you need to learn or where you're struggling or what you need support on. And you become very attuned to seeking out that advice. And it's been a bit serendipitous for me. I'll sit down at Soho Works and suddenly someone will be talking about the exact problem that I've had going around in my brain. And I'll be like, oh, can I pick your brains on that? And it's just, it's being honest about where you're struggling, I think. And then those, those people come to the surface and as we said before everybody wants to help so that mentoring and then sharing that advice because then you you know I've got this brilliant brilliant friend who is um a Shopify wizard as I quite literally call her <laughs> um and called Ruth I shared her I found her through another friend I shared her name with so many people since I'm always slightly worried that she's going to run out of time for me if I keep sharing her name yeah but it means she's getting better and better at her job. She's gaining more and more experience. So when I have a problem, she's more than, you know, more likely now to have the answers to it from getting it out there. And so I just feel like collectively what goes around comes around in a really positive growth sort of a way. And any last golden nugget pieces of advice that you'd like to share? Oh, my all-time favourite is Natalie Massonet. There might be a gap in the market, or you might have spotted a gap in the market, but is there a market in that gap? Thank you so much, Alice. It's been wonderful chatting. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to contact Alice, you'll find all of her details in the show notes, along with a recap of the advice she has so kindly shared. 
plus links to Whitney and Pip's How to Start Up episodes as well. Thank you for listening to How to Start Up. I hope these conversations offer you some confidence, encouragement and reassurance that you're on the right track. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd be so appreciative if you were to rate, review and subscribe as it will really help other people starting a company discover it. Thank you.